Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. If you hadn't figured it out by now, let me tell you, Navy Federal serves all branches of the service, not just the Navy. Visit NavyFederal.org for more details and to apply. Today we're talking with Navy veteran Linda Maloney. Um, Linda's the founder of uh, Women Veteran Speakers and proudly she served. Uh, Linda, you were an NFO in, in A6s originally and then mm-hmm. EA6s after that. Um, take us back and, and tell us a little bit about what you did in the Navy. Okay. Well, I first started out enlisted. I came in when I was 17 and I was an air traffic controller and stationed in Hawaii. I got picked up uh, for an officer program and um, it was the early 80s. So I am dating myself. (laughs) And um, so I got an NROTC scholarship to the University of Idaho. And I'm from the East Coast. So my parents were like, Idaho. (laughs) But it was a great school. They had a great ROTC program. And after I graduated from college, I got a degree in um, computer science engineering Mm. and um, went to flight school. And at that time, it was before the combat exclusion law had been repealed. It was repealed in 1993. So this is prior to that. This is in the late 80s. And so when I graduated from flight school, women did not have as many choices. You know, we we were limited to support type squadrons and aggressor type squadrons. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so there's pilots and, and NFOs, naval flight officers. I was a naval flight officer because my eyes were not 20-20. And at the time, they were only, uh, I think the numbers were like 10 a year for naval flight officers for women. And um, so my choices were very limited. I graduated at the top of my flight school class. And typically, you know, you'll get your choice of aircraft if you're at the top of your classes, always the needs of the Navy, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, but I, um, went to one of the, um, support squadrons in Key West, Florida. And there's, there were two electronic, uh, support squadrons, um, in the Navy, uh, VAQ 33 in Key West and VAQ 34 in Point Magoo, California. And so I initially went, um, to the squadron in Key West and I flew in the A6 and our mission uh, with that squadron was basically to train the fleet. Uh, we would train um, other squadrons and ships on what the enemy looked like. Mm-hmm. So we would simulate missiles, we'd simulate enemy um, aircraft, um, simulate enemy radars. And I was there for three years. Um, it was it was a great tour in you know in terms of being a nugget and learning you know all about aviation. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Um, if you know, but um, during that tour, I actually ejected from an A6. Um, we had that. a total hydraulic failure, and um, I was the first woman to eject in a Martin Baker seat. Um, landed in the ocean, was picked up within an hour, thank goodness, and <laughs> um, was back up flying in a couple of weeks. But um, oh. yeah, it was a total hydraulic failure. It was when I look back on it now, it's I'm way more you know afraid when I look back on all those that situation than I was at the time. You know, <laughs> it's funny how that works. Like when you you get older, you look back and like. Wow. What were we thinking? (laughs) I think because, you know, I didn't have kids and Mm -hmm. you're young and I think you just don't have life experience beneath you, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's why aviation and, you know, military aviation, I think is really for the young, you know? No doubt. So, yeah. 
But um, so I then uh, transitioned to EA-6Bs, which is the Prowler, and which is both those aircraft, both the A-6 and the EA-6B have since retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I transitioned to the EA-6B uh, Prowler in a support role again, but this time to Whidbey Island, Washington. And then during that time period is when the combat exclusion law was repealed. So I was able to immediately transition to a fleet squadron, a combat squadron, and was one of the first group of women um, deployed to um, a West Coast boat, the um, Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And I think out of an aircraft carrier, about 5,000 people. At that time, there were 500 women and maybe like 30 women aviators. Mm. So definitely, you know, living life. And a fishbowl, yeah. you know, yeah, and okay. I mean, there were a lot of challenges. I mean, it was, you know, I probably would do so many things differently looking back on it. You know, it was a definitely a difficult, challenging period, but also, you know, very exciting too, to be part of history. Yeah, it was definitely, um, a, it was kind of a, a winging it and learning, learning as we go, uh, as they, yeah. as they more and more integrated, yeah. you know, on, you know, everybody was trying to get it figured out, but it seems funny yeah. to look back on it now and even think that it was that way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I would go back and do it all over again. I loved it so much and um, really enjoyed my 20 year career. So after I left that squadron, I knew in the back of my mind that I wasn't going to go back. I because I was in my 30s at that point, I really desired to get married, have a family that was, you know, very important to me. Mm hmm. And so I chose at that time to transition out of aviation and go into um, the aerospace engineering duty officer community, mm-hmm. which is basically the management program management of an of uh, acquisition and upgrade of Navy aircraft. Mm-hmm. And so I um, then finished out my career, finished out my 20 years doing that. And that really, you know, set me up for um after I retired out of the military. But between all that, um, I got married, um, starting having um, my kids in my late 30s, early 40s. So my husband and I are older parents because he's a little older than me. <laughs> and um, so I actually, the year I retired from the Navy was when I had my first child. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then I had my second child after I retired from the military. And, um, so it was, I had a lot going on, you know, a lot of different things going on, you know, around that time period. And, you know, just, just talking about the transition retiring out of the military, my situation was a little bit different because, um, first of all, you know, I had that retirement. I knew I was going to get that retirement, which Mm -hmm. was, is such a gift. And I, I say it now all the time that I'm just so grateful for that you know, military retirement and those benefits, you know, especially the, the medical, which is such a great gift. And, um, and plus, you know, my husband had a great job. He's, he's not military. And, um, and then it allowed me to work part-time. I worked part-time as a defense contractor for about 10 years after, um, I got out of the military Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, probably about six months before I retired, I started, you know, putting my head down, thinking about everything that needed to be done, you know, to transition out of the military. Um, you know, I started sprucing up my resume, you know, civilianizing my resume, which I think is so important. I I mentor a lot of folks getting out of the military now, and I recommend to them to outsource their resume because we, you know, when you've been in the military for years, you know, you, all those acronyms and, you know, all that 
you know, all those terms, those are ingrained in your head. And I think a lot of times people in the military, we don't get how the corporate structure works. Yeah. You know, we don't get how, you know, the civilian community works with resumes and um, all that. And I think it, it definitely takes some time and effort. And I think it's worth it to outsource your resume. And if you want to do it yourself, great, but send it to every single person, you know, who works in corporate you know, mm-hmm. in the corporate world. Um, because, you know, as everyone says, a, a resume gets about what, a, a 10 second look, If that. you know, <laughs> you know, so you want to make it as powerful and impactful as possible. Mm-hmm. And obviously also one of the things you want to start doing and that I did is I started networking, um, you know, about six months before I got out, looking around my community to see where I wanted to go and started talking to those different folks and, you know, trying to make the transition as easy as possible on myself. Yeah. I'd say that that's one of the things where veterans probably one of, one of their biggest weakest points is, is the network. And some, some veterans are good at networking and they get it. And others, others just don't play and get it. I mean, um, the the power of networking and, and networking takes a while. Like it it almost, sometimes it takes years um, to, to produce. Um, So the mentality and attitude you have towards networking uh, if you're getting out is, is one of the most important things. I think I would, I would think networking is probably more important than, than a resume. Um, I, I totally agree. And you know what? Networking in the corporate world almost is like camaraderie in the military mm-hmm. because it's the same thing, you know, building that camaraderie, building those relationships. It's all about relationships, you know, and building oh, yeah. those relationships. So, but I think in the military, we're so separated sometimes from the corporate world and life outside of the military that it's, it seems foreign to us, you know, that networking, but it's where we do it all the time in the military. Yeah. You don't, you, know? re- you don't realize it's happening because it's kind of baked into the whole, the whole yeah. way of doing things. Yeah. yeah. And it's scary. I mean, it, the, the thought of getting out, especially for folks that have, you know, that get out at 10 years or 15 years, I think a lot of times, you know, they don't think that all that experience that they have um, is transferable. You know, and uh, and that's why I recommend to folks to outsource your resume if you can, because someone who's skilled at that can take your resume and look at it and, you know, say, okay, logistics, that means supply chain, you know, in in the corporate world or Mm -hmm. in telecom or wherever, you know. Um, And so um, and also another thing is to really research, you know, you know, where you want to go and learn everything there is to learn about that community and, you know, what the certifications are that you need and what training you may need and try to take advantage of your, of your military benefits even before you get out. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Whether it's a, a degree or a certification and then also have a really good understanding of what your benefits are when you get out. You know, I went back to school and got my um, MBA and my uh, GI Bill paid for all of it. And they even paid me like a monthly stipend. <laughs> I mean, I was just, it was like fantastic. I couldn't believe it. You know, it was oh, like yeah. hitting pay dirt. I'm like, this is fantastic. And so really, you know, I people need to understand what their benefits are and fully take advantage of them. You know, absolutely. All right, Linda, we'll hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. No matter where you are in your military career, Navy Federal offers the products and resources to help you navigate your finances. And remember, at Navy Federal Credit Union, they don't just serve the Navy. They also serve the Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, and even the Space Force. Navy Federal is proud to serve active duty service members, veterans, and their families. 
So check out the Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card, which now offers better rewards than ever before. The More Rewards card offers three times points at supermarkets and three times points at restaurants and food delivery. That means Grubhub, DoorDash, or whatever your favorite food delivery service is. Also, three times points on gas and transit. That means tolls, parking lots, ride shares, buses, and more. And you get one point on everything else. Earn more rewards on your everyday spending with the Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card. Enjoy special perks and points you can redeem for cash, travel, gift cards, and more. Plus, earn bonus points. Learn more about how you can get 25,000 points, a $250 value, when you open a Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card today. Visit NavyFederal.org for more details and to apply. Insured by NCUA. American Express is a registered service mark of American Express. Used by Navy Federal under license. You may have taken all those free helicopter rides you had in the military for granted, but emergency medical air transport can be expensive and health insurance may not cover the full cost, but for as little as $85 a year, an Air Medicare Network membership covers your entire household. It's security no family should be without. Veterans, with all the sacrifices you made to protect our country, you deserve financial peace of mind. An AMCN membership can protect your family and finances allowing you to worry less about what matters most. In a life-or-death situation, you don't have time to think about cost. Air MedCare Network provides access to life-saving emergency care around the country, and their members enjoy an added value. Members pay no out-of-pocket costs for emergency air medical transport when flown by an AMCN member. For a limited time, as a Veteran on the Move listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash vet and use offer code VET. That's V-E-T. All right, back talking with uh, Navy veteran Linda Maloney. So, Linda, um, post-transition uh, out of the military and everything, you're doing a lot of different things. What what were, what were was it that triggered you to get into entrepreneurship? So, I initially put a book together called Military Fly Moms. took me about eight years, and it's a coffee table-style book of 70 women, military women from all different military services, um, all aviators and all moms. Hmm. And so um, from that, the book was published in 2012, but from that I was asked to speak um, to different, you know, events and organizations. Mm-hmm. And um, and then a couple years after that, I decided just based on my husband's career, he was very busy, traveled a lot. It was difficult for me to travel. I had young kids. And so I um, started my business called Women Veteran Speakers. And I just got hooked up with this whole thing of sharing women veteran stories. And it's kind of really my MO. I love that. That's kind of my passion is to share about who women veterans are, because I just thought that a lot of times people didn't know who women veterans were. They, you know, would ask me, who are they? You know, I'm like, what could be your mom, your sister, your neighbor, your niece? A lot of times people in middle America, you know, are not familiar with, um, you know, veterans or people, women in the military, because sometimes there aren't military bases nearby. Mm -hmm. And what they see on TV or in the news is just men. And so it just became my passion to share who women veterans are. And um, since I was um, experienced with the speaking um, community, that's what I started, Women Veteran Speakers. And we um, have members who are speakers, coaches, trainers, facilitators, and we book them for all different types of events, for corporate, colleges and universities, um, veterans groups, women's groups, uh, professional organizations, 
and I love it. We have about 50 women. I'm hoping to grow to about 100 this year. And it's been a, you know, constant learning process about, you know, entrepreneurship, owning my own business, because you have to be a jack of, jack of all trades at everything. You know, when you're a yeah. small business owner, you have to know everything, a little bit about everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, obviously COVID through three for loop last year, were you guys able to maintain or, or adjust through what was going on last year? So that's a, that's a great question. Um, probably in 2019 was going to be our best year. This is year number five. Mm-hmm. And um, we were almost up to like a hundred thousand dollars of booking speakers for the year. Mm-hmm. This year, a year ago, it, everything, you know, stopped. And so, um, my members who were able to quickly pivot to um, virtual uh, type of events, yeah. um, even though it was slow, they, you know, it was beneficial for those that were able to understand and know how to pivot to um, setting up virtual events. Um, we're still seeing things um, just starting to come back a little bit. And we did, we decided because of that, part of, because of that, and we decided to change up our business model. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we would, women veteran speakers would be involved in everything that was involved in booking a speaker. Now we offer our speakers, it's basically a, an annual membership with, with women veteran speakers. And then they pay an annual membership and then they can choose per event if they want us to book everything. And then we charge them a, a booking commission. But if, if they have an established business where most of them do have established businesses, they can book the event. We just connect them. So we we went from being a speaker's bureau to a speaker's connection agency. Uh-huh. And so we were able to modify our business model to account for the, you know, the hiccup you know, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the business. Um, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep growing and I'm hoping to, uh, you know, pick back up where we left off a year ago. Yeah. And even, even post COVID, whenever this is finally over with, are you going to go back to more of the speakers bureau model? You're going to stick with the connects and agency. Model? I'm going to stick with the connect because, um, I'm, I have my hands involved in so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, became the project manager. I volunteer as a project manager for this project called Proudly She Served. The executive director is uh, Steve Alpert. He, and he and I teamed together about three years ago. So I'm very busy with that. And that is a portrait series and a book that um, we have 12 women. And Steve has painted large portraits of each woman veteran. And then the book is a coffee table style book that goes with it. And uh, we're going to have a portrait unveiling and book launch a year from now at the military women's Memorial in Arlington, Virginia. So the speakers connection agency frees up my time a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to, you know, pour some more time into um, the proudly she served project. Plus I'm a mom of teenagers. And so I'm, you know, my, my plate is very busy. (laughs) My plate's very full. (laughs) Now, Now, when you were the speakers bureau model, um, did you actually have provide uh, coaching and instruction and and everything else that went along with that? We do. So we try to, to be honest, um, I, we have um, a couple of speakers in our, um, our membership that offer speaker coaching. And I have um, done that before, but it does take quite a bit of time and commitment, but it isn't just about like coaching them to speak where the, where they really need coaching with the new up and coming emerging speakers and coaches, trainers, facilitators is how to grow, how it establish and grow their business because there's a whole back business behind speaking. 
Mm. You know, someone could be the best speaker, the best coach, but they need to understand how to establish and grow their business. And so I actually outsource that coaching to some of the members on my team who um, are involved in doing that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did did you have a lot of folks come to you that that had a story, but they weren't really um, a well-rehearsed speaker that they needed all the a lot time, of all the time. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I definitely do a lot of mentoring, you know, pro bono mentoring just to encourage them. I put together a little package, um, just to tell them, you know, give them information on what they need to do to get their business in a good place. And I also mm-hmm. recommend, you know, those coaches, I always tell them an hour with this one coach will pay really big dividends. It will tell you the things that you need to do to get yourself up and running. Mm-hmm. And I'll give some basic steps on how to, you know, how to establish your business, how to grow it, and then come back and see me when they've done those steps. Yeah. And you know, what, what part of being a, a public speaker uh, for a living, what, what part of it, what percentage of it is actually doing the speaking versus everything else that's behind it? Oh, I know. I mean, it's like any it's, other business. Yeah. Like 25% is probably the speaking, 75, 75%. And it all depends on where you're at. I mean, some of our speakers, they've been doing it a long time and mm. they have, um, you know, assistants that work with them to help them with that. And so they don't have to do all those administrative type of, um, you know, things. But if you're, you know, just starting out, yeah, a lot of it is the back business. And realistically for the, the speaker fee themselves, like, what, what, what kind of range can can a new up-and-coming speaker expect out in the speaking world and maybe what would be a, a worthy, achievable goal to build towards? Right. So we, our speakers, they range anywhere from 2000 to 25000 mm-hmm. And so what I tell the new speakers is, take six months, get all your materials together, get all your social media up and running, get all your materials ready to go. Um, make sure they look professional. You know, you have all your, um, your topics um, and all your, you know, your headshots and your speaker sheet, and your video, because video really sells. And um, probably 95% of the people that we book or we recommend, we, we connect, have video. And so video is very important. Initially, someone's not going to have a ton of video. But, um, you know, I, I tell them, take six months once you have all your materials together and speak for free. You know, do a 50-mile radius from where you live and start offering yourself up to different organizations, events, and, you know, start speaking for free. Put, you know, get some of those testimonials that you need. And then, um, you know, I would say start at, you know, like the two to $5,000 range. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, obviously the, the COVID thing last year threw everybody for a loop, but um, really did. Is, is it fairly attainable or I mean, no, it's kind of a, it's a tough industry. Um, it's and it tough. Takes a long time. It is, it is really tough right now. I have to say, I think those speakers that had an established business and have clients already and, and were able to pivot to a virtual environment, you know, they're still doing okay. I know I, They've definitely seen a decrease in, you know, number of speaking events, Mm -hmm. but it's very difficult. And if you look online, there are hundreds of speakers agencies. We're definitely a niche based um, speakers, you know, agency. And it's hard to get if you want to get into a large, well-known speakers bureau, um, it's very difficult. You know, and some of our speakers, they'll start out with us. We're not exclusive. Like we do not require our members to be exclusive to us. Mm-hmm. Like some of our members, they'll belong to two, three, five other speakers agencies. But once you get to a certain point, 
you know, one of the, the larger speakers agencies will require you to be exclusive. And we've had a couple of our members graduate to those larger organizations. Mm. And I'm so happy for them because that's great. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, from the, from the client's perspective, what do, what are clients typically looking for when they're willing to pay to bring a speaker yeah. in? Well, there are, one thing about the type of members that I like to bring in is I always say that I want them to have a varied toolbox. They need to have more than, and not that this isn't enough, but they need to have more than I was a leader in the military, or I could talk about leadership, mm-hmm. um, or I have an inspirational story from the military. They have, that's, that gets their foot in the door. They need to have some other expertise. Um, you know, maybe they are, they have a, a doctorate in economics. We have a speaker who has a doctorate in economics. Maybe they're a lawyer, they're a doctor, they're an author, or they have, um, you know, they, they have um, certification in um, coaching, mm-hmm. but they have to have other expertise areas to be able to be um, attractive to let's say to a corporate client, you know, to a large corporate client, you know, maybe a corporate client will have them come in and talk at Veterans Day about being in the military, but all year long, you know, you have to have some other things to be able to, you know, get hired sure. by a corporate event or a professional organization. You know, maybe they want you to come in and talk about high-performing sales. So what have you done or what's your certification, your expertise in high-performing sales? Mm-hmm. And are are some of your speakers actually able to able to get to the point where it, it is a full? It's their only occupation. Yes. It's their full time job. Yes, yeah, yes. Able to do it. Yeah, probably 40 percent of our members do it full time, uh, and the remainder do it you know part time, half time. Wow, that's awesome. Um, right. The you know the cool thing about um, there's a lot of great like all, if you've use all civilian speakers, people that were never in the military. And some of those use have usually have a story, um, especially right. with the military. They, they probably want to hear that military related story most of the time. Right. And I always tell our speakers to our newer speakers too. I, I always say they are inviting you because, you know, first of all, because you're a veteran, you know, so they want to hear something about your military story. So maybe when you could do, you do one event, you'll talk a lot about your military experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas another event, maybe you'll just mention it a little bit, but I think it's always part of your story. You know, it needs to be part, I think it needs to be part of, you know, why you're there. Yeah. Cause I noticed, um, there are, um, there are actually, you know, civilian type speakers where they don't even have a story. They're just a really good speaker. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. yet they managed to get hired. And for, for me, it was like, if you're going to bring a speaker in, unless they're just like a trainer, um, it's, it amazes me that how many, how many folks that actually have become pretty good speak, you know, pretty profitable speakers that don't yeah. even really have a personal struggle type story. You know what I mean? I know I'll look back on like I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll, I'll see a speaker who, who kind of fits that mold that you're talking about. And I'll look back at their resume, you know, you know, like their list of experiences. It's amazing where they've come from and where they are now. Mm-hmm. And so and all because they're a very good speaker and they know how to communicate with an audience, you know. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're good, you're no, good. But, no. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially, but you, you hit the nail on the head. Like the, the reason they're in hire, if they're bringing you in as a veteran speaker, they want to hear something that right. has to do with you being a veteran. That's part of what, the, what they want to hear. It's part of why they're bringing right. you in. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so 
talk a little bit about the aspects of when you first got into entrepreneurship and putting together your speakers bureau. Um, what, what are some of the blind spots that you had that you would say are probably pretty typical for most veterans? When it comes to business, uh, probably the finance side, like mm. the, the taxes, <laughs> just to make sure you're, yeah. you know, that if you're having to send out 1099s the and stuff nobody wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And, uh, and, you know, that part of it, you really have to be smart about it and, you know, what you need to have for your state. And that part's scary, you know, and so to, you know, it's not hard, but you, you know, you, you got to understand it and make sure you're filing, you know, the certain reports. And uh, that's probably the one area that, you know, keeps me up at night, you know, or could keep me up at night yeah. to learn about that. You know, you don't want to get a gotcha, you know, at the end of the year, like, oh my gosh, I didn't do this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if somebody's uh, interested in, in what you're doing with women veteran speakers, how do they find you? So they could go to our website, womenveteranspeakers.com, and they can send a note that way. They can find me on LinkedIn, either through my name, my personal LinkedIn account, Linda Maloney, or Women Veteran Speakers. We also have an account on LinkedIn, or they can send a note to info at womenveteranspeakers.com. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking to somebody that in the military just got out recently, and they're looking to become a professional speaker, what kind of advice would you have for them? Uh, I would say do your homework, get some coaching. An hour of coaching is really well worth it. And I have some great coaches I can recommend and they give military veterans a great discount. And, um, but yeah, definitely uh, do your homework first um, before you dive in and find out what you need. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, Hey Linda, thanks for sharing your story and look forward to your future success. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. It was so good um, to meet with you today. Yeah, you bet. All right. Okay. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.